Hey, this is Kevin from Kevin's Barbecue Joints, and welcome to episode 283 of the Kevin's Barbecue Joints podcast. I am super excited to bring this interview with Sergio Menchaca. He is with Texas Sage Forge, a knife producer. If you go to his Instagram, it's Menchaca Sensei, and we'll get into why it's called Menchaca Sensei. You can see his knives, and they are gorgeous, and they're ugly in as much as what he says they're ugly, but they're ugly, beautiful. They're gorgeous <laughs> knives. They're amazing. And I just wanted to talk about the process because not only is he creating these amazing knives, but he's a principal at Bowie High School <laughs> and he's an educator and he's multifaceted and he's getting even higher education. He's he's growing and learning. And if you're listening to this on the podcast, I would jump over to the YouTube side when you get a chance at youtube.com slash Kevin's BBQ Joints because at the end of this, I'm going to have production and his facility and like how he does things and his anvils and his tools and supplies and how he sharpens knives. One thing that he talks about in his videos is how he uses Texas products, Texas wood, Texas steel, everything from the earth is important. He loves Texas. He's passionate about Texas, passionate about North Texas. And that comes across in this interview. He's outside behind him are some beautiful oak trees, super positive guy, super passionate about this craft. And I get kind of nerdy because I've never made knives before and I'm curious about it. So I ask him a bunch of questions that could be dumb questions to you. They weren't dumb questions to me. You learn a lot about knife making his skills, how he got into it, how you get into knife making. And there's a lot more. It's, it's an hour interview. I can't thank Sergio enough for taking the time. I'm also going to put out a second companion video which shows him making a knife and that knife he and I are giving away. We're going to have a contest pretty soon, within a week or so. So that is super cool. So you get to see the knife that you can possibly win. It's just an awesome story. Killer guy. I know you're really going to enjoy this. And the Kevin's Barbecue Joints podcast and YouTube show is brought to you by... As always, Centex Smokers. They're out of Luling, Texas. It's Centex underscore Smokers. Give them a follow. Beautiful stuff. Continues to put out amazing product. You can do almost anything. Give him a DM. Get a quote. He's about four to five months. It could be growing eventually because he's becoming really popular. Again, that's Centex underscore Smokers. And I have a website at kevinsbbqjoints.com. If you're digging these, please subscribe. Make a comment below. Let me know what you liked about this interview. What do you like about custom knives and custom knife making? But at the end, stay safe. And I know, no, no, you're going to really like this. Also, a quick technical note around the 40-minute mark. Sergio's voice, it's clear, but it sounds a little electronic-y, robotic. That happens for about a minute, and that goes away. All right, well, good evening, Sergio. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much, Kevin, for doing this. Ah, thank you. I, as as you know, I have a passion for knives. I don't know a lot about. I just have a I have a passion for craftsmanship and for people doing things with their hands, and we've gone back and forth. And so I'm really, really, really glad that we're getting a chance to speak. And you sent me some little things ahead of time that are that I'll I'll show people, and also we'll be creating some separate things for it. But your work is fantastic. How did you get into this? And where and where are you located? I live in Bowie, Texas. Bowie, Texas, North Texas. I'm about 25 miles uh, south of the Red River. Oh, okay. Uh, great, great area. I get to experience the seasons here, which in Central Texas and West Texas, I never got to see what seasons were like. So you grew up in Central Texas? I grew up in Junction, Texas. Where is Junction, Texas? Junction, Texas is um, right on I-10, uh, west of Kerrville. And it's pretty famous for the Bear Bryant Texas Tech camp where they had the Junction Boys. Okay. So everybody knows Junction for that. What was that like growing up there? Did you did you did you ever did you leave to move up north just to 
get the seasons or did you move up north for work or for like how, how did you get on this path that's what i essentially i i'm an educator that's why i'm in Bowie. okay and i was lucky enough to get the high school principal job here in Bowie, and oh. it's been a blast being blessed to represent Bowie high school as their leader well that being said the path of knives has been going for quite some time uh, as you can tell, most of my stuff, my handle on Instagram is Mintaka Sensei, and that's because I was a martial arts instructor for quite a few years. Ah. And I was going to make, you know, I started making collecting knives, and I, I love all kinds of knives. So I got to the point where I said, you know, I can make this cheaper than I can spending money every month on new knives. <laughs> so that makes yeah. sense. So were you? I like I were you a teacher first and then do you move up the ranks to become a principal how does that work absolutely I started I started as a substitute became a paraprofessional then a teacher uh then an AP and then uh finally got my shot at the at the wonderful spot of head principal so oh. yeah all. oh wow and, and and how has that been because you still are a principal how has that been during this time you know the, the crazy thing is with COVID and being an educator, it shows how much educators value students, how much students miss the social aspect of school. And then just, I, I work with some very gifted teachers and just being able to see how, how much they impact a student, you know, on a daily level mm -hmm. on just not letting the kid know that they care. Uh -huh. And it's a blessing just to be able to see that. How interesting. So, yeah, who, yeah, who knew that this, something so awful like this would bring out all these revelations, essentially, with healthcare absolutely. workers, with teachers, like how important this is for everyone's life. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of a positive guy, Kevin. You are. No, so am I. <laughs> As you can tell, I, I hope I, you I get that. This world's too full of negatives. There's so much negative. And, and it's... It's a blessing. It's great to talk to you, especially during these times. And that's kind of why I don't, if I've been doing a lot of these during COVID because I want people to be able to look back and see what people's mindset, what, like what they were thinking at the time. And yeah, and you've and you guys, like we've all kind of made it over this hump. It's not quite there yet. But are you are the kids back at school? Kids are back in school. We started school back in August, and we wore masks. We were socially distanced. Oh. Um, we were lucky enough to have a kind of progressive school board this past week. They voted to not require masks in the school anymore. So okay. the kids were very happy about that. And we were, you know, we're, we're back rocking and rolling, feeling like it's 2019. <laughs> I remember then. Do you remember 2019? That was such a... It's a, it's so bizarre. I, 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 it's, it's, it's really strange. Now, with be, behind you, really quick too. What kind of trees are that? You know what kind of trees those are behind you, right? Those are oak trees. Those are oak. They're beautiful. How beautiful is this? Is just picturesque. <laughs> I know we were doing. We were going to try to do it inside, but the only problem is I got my neighbor's guard dog barking at me. She's, she's deaf, but she takes care of the property. <laughs> it's not too bad. It's not like it's like it's a deep bark, so it's not like a piercing bark. Well, so so then when you decided, okay, I'm gonna start making knives. What was the first knife you made, and how do you go about? Did you get books on it, or do you talk to people, or huh, how do you do? Well, that? there was there was a lot of conversations with knife makers themselves, um, with people using knives. I was gonna make tactical knives that could be used for suspense for 
uh, combat. And oh. I learned quickly, you know, when I started on the journey that um, nobody wants to buy those knives. <laughs> and nobody's interested in them. I, 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 I remember my first tactical buoy and it was a hunk of three pounds. It was just huge. And I said, hey, what do you think? And the guy was like, man, I'm not carrying that. And I said, man, why don't you try it? I'll, I'll let you try it for free. He goes, no, you can keep it. Didn't he? Couldn't even give them away. So, <laughs> so your first uh, knife was a three pound knife? Yeah, it was huge. It's terrible. It's terrible. Do you um, still have it? I, I, I do somewhere. Okay. Yes. Just, if you find it, I mean, I it's a big away, so yeah, I got it. That, and with that being said, I started looking around about things I really enjoyed and the times I really enjoyed with my family. And it was the times that I'm in the backyard cooking and just talking and just having that very familial atmosphere where everybody's accepted and everybody's okay. I started to remember that and I'm on Instagram. So I started uh, following this guy who was a great barbecue chef and we'd talk about recipes and stuff like that. And it was Robert Sierra. Oh, wow. And Robert Sierra's SS Pit Crew. Mm -hmm. And I think what got me conversing with him was a recipe for his wife's capirotada, okay. which is a Lent recipe of like a bread pudding kind of thing. Okay. And it looked amazing. And Kevin, if there's one thing you know about me, you know, most people's moms are great cooks. Mine was not the greatest. Let's just say that. There might have been two or three dishes that were great. Not the not the greatest capirotada maker oh, there. So I saw Robert's wife's capirotada and I said, dude, I got to have that recipe. And then we just started talking. And then suddenly I said, you know, I make knives. I'd love to try and make you a knife. What could you use? And he goes, well, I need a 14 inch slicer. Okay. I was like a slicer. He goes, yeah, for briskets. And that's how the brisket slicer wow. became. I, I mean, it, that's right there was, we coined the term. I don't know if we coined it, but I hadn't seen it before. And so I made this knife out of an old disc, a plow disc. It, it was, I loved it. It was beautiful and ugly and rough and sharp as hell. And that's what a knife should be to me. And so he, I remember I met him at, uh, well, I don't remember the name of the place, but it was a barbecue joint in San Antonio. He, he liked the knife and I was going to say enamored. He wasn't enamored. He was just like, dude, that's a nice knife. Um, how, how long ago was this? Oh, 20, 2015. Okay. 2015, I think. So we did that. And once he posted the pics, the first picture of it, uh, I had a few interests. And then I said, well, I'll, I'll see where this goes. And it's bloomed from there. The people are really good to me. And the, the interest is there. And they understand I'm an educator first. so. Knives take a long time for me to crank out, but I think the cool thing is I've grown, they've grown with me. The people who have some of my earlier knives are like, oh man, the stuff you're cranking out now is so different. And it's a lot better and you just grow. It's so a you, progress. Life which is, makes sense because you're yeah. passionate about it. But how do you, how do you get all the supplies? Like if, if I was to do, to go into knife making, which most people listen to this art, but like you because when you show me the video, like these videos, and I, everyone, if you look, wait till the end of this, you could see those, and I'm going to do a separate one. You have chemical, you have like chemicals, and you have all these belt senders, and you have all, and then I, I'm assuming you have something to heat up 
the metal like what <laughs> a forge i guess you have a forge right so it's how do you get it how do you get all that stuff you accumulate it slowly or how does that work slowly slow very slowly i'm an educator so i couldn't go out and buy the whole thing just and it was like you know sometimes i'd save up and buy a tool but okay i, I would you know it's over time when i first got into it my best friend is a farrier so he knew i was interested in it and he goes uh why don't i've got an old forge you want it and i said yeah how much and he goes oh I'll just take it so he gave me an old forge i rebuilt wow. the floor and that thing was great it was an nc nc tool whisper daddy or something like that okay it, it was great so i used that and up until i moved to Bowie, it, it was great in the move it got it was in the back of the pickup tarped up and somehow we went through a thunderstorm and all that tarp did was gather all the water oh. and put it in that forge oh. so when i unpacked and we dried it out and tried to clear out the lines it just never fired work it never fired again correctly so that was a perfect time for me to get a new forge so and so, uh, so there are there are uh, there's forge companies out there is that absolutely absolutely <laughs> so uh, who knew i i you know the i think the one thing that makes me a little bit different from other knife makers is you will always hear knife makers say stay away from mystery steel because you don't know what it is and i use reclaimed steel okay simply because i'm cheap and i think it is a good thing to not send more product to the landfill yeah definitely and the steel is good especially the neat thing about the steel i use is this is very old steel so the older the steel i find the better it hardens the better it produces that knife that's going to be a workhorse and sense. it's cheap you know i often in I'm given a lot of steel and I love that. You know, that's what people are like, Hey, uh, for Boston's day, no, no secret Santa this year. I had one of my teachers give me a whole bunch of files and she's like, is this okay? I was like, you don't know how happy you made me. Really? This is wonderful. Oh yeah. So, so it's okay. Just, so my brain's going, are you melting down the steel and then you have bulbs or how, what the heck? <laughs> okay. So, Sorry, I, I, what, I'm just thinking like Lord of the Rings or something. <laughs> what I do is I take the steel and I forge it. I use the hammer to shape it into a knife. Okay. So that steel goes from being an old rasp or an old plow disc or gotcha. an old file. And I, I, whatever shape it's in, I've learned how to, how to forge flat. I've learned how to forge round. I've learned how to forge square. Interesting. Into a knife shape. So that's the journey is learning how to do that. Mm -hmm. So that's really, really neat. That is really neat. But then how did you learn how to attach it to a handle and your handles are beautiful? And then the one, that one, and then the Osage, there's so many, there's a lot of this. I can't, this, what you sent me and what people will see, it'll blow them away. It's really interesting because it's such a unique world and really cool. Yeah, with, with uh, the handles, I remember on Instagram, everybody had these real cool handles and I couldn't get anybody, you know, every time you see them, you're like, okay, well, I'll order one. And that person, oh, sorry, I'm sold out. Oh, sorry, I'm sold out. So there was one guy, Gulf Coast Planks, 
and he started selling. And I waited and waited. I said, the next time he's got some of that prickly pear and mesquite, I'm jumping on it. And it was like every day I'd wake up, I checked the phone numerous times. And just that, I started building the relationship. Now, he's used to me and he knows I'm going to buy from him. He knows, you know, that's my thing. I, I tell myself, I'm not going to buy wood this month. And here I am buying wood. He, he got me today. He's like, how about this? And I was like, well, I'll, I'll do this. And then I said, well, we better back off because I, I want to be, you know, I don't want to waste too much money. Wood. Anyway, that being said, do they come, do they come shaped like a handle or are you shaping them? Or like those, they come square, well, right? Or, or rectangular. They come in squares, rectangles and different thicknesses and different materials. And talking to a lot of knife makers when I first started, hey, how do I attach a handle? How do I get this going? And just make, learning how to do it. And, and in my way, you know, I, I definitely uh, probably do handles a different way than other people. I'm not as neat as other people would be, but like I say, I, my knives are ugly. They are rough. They're meant to be used. I love how ugly they are. They're in the best way, the word ugly. It's, and it's, and the handles, have a uniqueness they're beautiful handles they're not ugly. they're if if ugly if those handles are ugly i don't know what ugly is because they're really gorgeous <laughs> you know when i say ugly they're they're not a they're definitely not a production not perfect maybe. not even close they're not perfect and i, I love the phrase every defect gets respect like because it's and, and you know as, as humans you know i i i don't know about you kevin but i am definitely not the same I don't have the same body as I had when I was 18. So, you know, I've, I've learned to grow with age and be happy with who I am in myself. And I definitely think the same concept develops over your blade. That blade should be an extension of the person that's using it. And people are like, that matches that their person's attitude. Mm -hmm. There's, yeah. you were showing like some of the blades you're showing there. I'm like, I want to buy that one. I want to like, you can <laughs> so I have, I must have multiple personalities. Now, when you figured out how to do it properly and then you at the Robert Sierra, is that when you decided to that? Cause everything you do is, is everything custom or you come up with ideas and then you also have custom stuff too, right? Like people come to you for custom. So yeah, I do take custom orders, but a lot of what I do just comes like I'll start with the piece of steel and I'll feel it and I'll say, okay, this is what I think would be good. Perfect. Yeah. And then I start hammering on it, whether it's whether it's thick or thin, I start hammering on the steel and the steel kind of guides me how far I can stretch the steel. Do I want to stretch it too far? How thin do I want it? And, you know, I've made a lot of mistakes and I think that's the beauty of knife making. It, the, the mistakes are even fun because you you get to learn from them. So, yeah, I'm just out here just learning. Oh, you, so do you, you heat it up and then you then you pound it and then heat it? Like is that the process or how? Okay. Yes, sir. You 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 heat to I heat to about a bright yellow, maybe bright orange, not the hay yellow color, bright orange, and then I start pounding on it and shaping, and I take it through different stages to where it's going to form a blade. Now I I tend to really love the the chef blade shape so a lot of my blades turn out like that but there's a lot that don't and i enjoy trying to do other shapes so if someone says hey can you do this well i'll try it you know 
All we can do is try. So yeah. You have three different anvils, right? Or do you have two? I have two anvils. I have two anvils. Uh, one is a double horn and one is a farrier's anvil. Okay. And I, I use them both. I like the double horn a lot for the size and being able to just pound away at it. And the farrier's anvil is good for shaping and fine work for me. But I, not to say that I couldn't do that on the double horn. I just, I just, I, I'm particular in the way I do things. Yeah. Do the neighbors in that area hear you pounding away at metal? So funny you say that. I have tried my best to quiet my anvil. So both of them. So what I do is I take big magnets and you attach it to the anvil and it stops the ring. Oh. And yeah, and it's not all the way gone. It's not even close, but I, I will, I don't hammer before 9am <laughs> and I don't hammer after 10pm and I've been right up to 959, Kevin. I'm, I'm there and I'm like, okay, three more blows and I can bam, bam, bam. And I'm like, okay, I'm done. It's 10 o'clock. Oh, that's funny. Done. It's like it's like the like some play air two people live by airports like there are certain times like they can fly and they can't fly or well that's and it's does it is it satisfying pounding it like is that a, oh my god that is my de-stressor if yeah. I have a bad day I, or or just I don't even know if it's a de-stressor I just love doing it so if I'm having a good day I'm going to be forging if I'm having a bad day I'm going to be forging and it just it's therapeutic for me no matter what. And seeing the process to go from something raw, unshaped, that, yeah, that into something pretty refined, and you know it's going to be a fine piece of cutlery. Mm -hmm. That that just has my attention the whole time. Wow. How long does it take you to make one? Depends on the size of the blade. Okay. And depends, there's there's some there's some days I come out frustrated, and you know you hit harder when you're a little bit frustrated. And I, I've hammered out a knife for forty minutes. Uh, <laughs> That's a, that's uh, a good amount of time. I, if I if I'm taking a long time, I just want to smooth it out and get a good forge finish. I, I've taken like an hour and fifteen minutes on a blade. If it's uh, an integral, which is hammered out of round, mm -hmm. and I got to start with the six inch hammer, six pound hammer, man, that that's that takes a while because man, that hammer just kills your arm. Yeah, that it sounds like mind. it would. Yeah, I'm I'm a wing, I'm a weenie, so. <laughs> Yeah, that, that six pound hammer is like, oh my God, crazy. It's like, a, it's like Thor's hammer. I say it takes you an hour, hour and 15 minutes or 40 minutes. To, uh, would then the process of making the hand, like in the handle, how long total does it take to make one of your knives? You know, I'm, I'm pretty fast. I'm pretty fast and I don't like to brag. I'm not saying I, I'm bragging or anything, but I can probably get a knife done in four hours tops. Okay. And that's, that's a lot of wait time. So with knife making, you have to learn how to wait for epoxy to harden, how to let glue dry, okay. um, let things set, and then everything else is pretty speedy. But I, I can hammer it out pretty fast. I can grind it within about 10, 15 minutes. And then I heat treat, which is maybe 20, 30 minutes at the most. I do a, I do a differential quench. So when I what I do is, Let's say the quench level of the oil is here. Well, I take the blade and I only quench just the edge. So this top part stays out of the oil uh -huh. and is still red hot. Well, the part underneath is under 
has already reached under 400 degrees very rapidly. So when that happens, I will take that out and I will watch the colors run. The, the, the steel turns colors ah, yes. and it tells you what, it, what it's doing. So I'll watch the colors run back into the blade. And when I get that purplish color, there's a purple color. That means I'm right at that tempering temperature. And I, I kind of control that going a little bit back into the oil out. And I, and I straighten oh, if there's any defects. It's just a process and it's just that's so neat. So much the reason fun. I do that is because yeah, it, it's fun, but then I don't have to temper the blades in an oven. Mm -hmm. You know, the tempering cycle takes probably, you know, I'll, I'll heat treat, then I'll set it down and let it cool to room temp. So that takes some time to cool down. I don't rush the cooling process and I just let the blade naturally cool once it's quenched. And I see the colors go into the blade. One of the coolest things about heat treating, let me tell you this, cool. is uh, I think it's called recalescence. And recalescence is a science term for this red rainbow. You know, it's, it's red hot. And then it starts cooling down and you see a black shadow coming through. And then you see this little red ribbon coming through with it. And that's that steel hardening up and turning from... The molecules are actually changing right mm -hmm. there. They're changing their how packed they are in the blade. So I do that, and then I, that's called thermocycling. I do that several times, and then I quench when I after that, and then you know let it cool. So I, I had to back up there and tell you about the recalescence. That's yeah, one well, of my coolest. That is so cool. And then, but have you along this like journey to to where you are right now? Did could did you mess up knives or is that something that is that even something possible that you can ruin a knife or you just have to go back and reforge it or oh you can ruin a knife um okay. i've had to retemper other knives i mean yeah you like i said lots of mistakes mm -hmm. most of the mistakes don't get put on instagram <laughs> don't get broadcast to the public some do because mm -hmm. some mistakes are so groundbreaking to me that through the mistake, there's a huge positive that I want to showcase. Case in point, there was a rasp blade that I was making for a guy who's ordered some knives. And I said, you know, this is the shape he's asking for. And I said, well, I'll try a water quench with this rasp and get a really good hormone line on there. And I did, and everything was going right. No cracking sounds. I was like, dude, I pulled it off. And the hormone was amazing. It was just gorgeous. And then through cleaning up and looking at it, I had cracked the blade. Oh. And oh, just killed me. But that one got posted on Instagram. Was it because it the, cooled too quickly? Uh, I don't know what it was. Does the time of year atmospherically matter for what you're doing or you're controlling I don't think everything? So. I know I so I forge outside, you know, I have no cover over me when I'm forging. So Time of year does matter for me because I'm not, I can't go out when it's raining. Yeah. And I can't go out when it's snowing. Although I did during snow catastrophe this year, just I was, I was tired of being in the house. So I had to get out. I enjoyed going out and forging in the snow this year. But other than that, no, temperature outside really doesn't matter. Uh, well, let's, I want to talk about what you offer. How did you, what, how, the name came from what? Texas Sage Forge. Yeah. So I love senecio plants. Okay. That's the Texas sage. Okay. 
And, uh, you know, I didn't want to name it Siniso Forge. <laughs> no. So I wanted to name it something that everybody would realize. I love the plant. And I don't know, a, a lot of people know this, but, you know, they bloom before it rains. And it, it turns this beautiful purple. And I don't know one single person who says, oh, I hate that light green, that purple. I, I think every Texan loves those colors. And I said, you know, I want something that people can really get behind and like. And so I, I definitely took that in consider, into consideration. And that's where Texas Forge, Texas Sage Forge came from. And what, is, what does yeah. Texas mean to you? Oh, my God. It's everything. I, I'm very proud of being a Texan. I'm very proud of my heritage, my culture, everything I was raised around. And just being able to be part of Texas is something huge. I, I recently learned like two or three years ago that my last name was named after a general who had fought in the Alamo. Alamo. Wow. And just, I mean, stuff like that just is too cool. So mm -hmm. I've always been intrigued with the state of Texas and the Texas history and little things that, you know, and, and, and to give you an example, in Texas history, I think everybody had to go through seventh, eighth grade, Texas history, one of those. In my Texas history class, we were taught that Santa Ana was killed by this creek. And I can't remember where, it was after some battle, but he wasn't. And I recently learned he wasn't. He only had one leg. And the, <laughs> the, the Texans like kept the leg. It's in the Smithsonian. What? Really? Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. This is like what? The, but the Mexican general's flag was uh, in the, it's in the Smithsonian, and he was actually taken to meet the president at the time in Washington D.C. And it's just stuff you don't learn in history books. Yeah. So anything Texas, I'm about. I love it. And Texas has it's like its own country. It has there's so yes. many. It's so diverse. It's so large. The history is so rich and so deep and the, and the people have, and I, I lived in Texas for a year. I'm from California, but I feel like my soul and my heart is in Texas. And, but it's, it's, there's something special about Texas. And I was trying to, I, maybe that's, maybe that's my quest with these is trying to figure this out. I don't know. And you know, the crazy thing is I love all geographies in Texas. I love East Texas, West Texas. I, Terlingua, Texas is an amazing place to me. I just, it just calls my soul. Okay. And then North Texas, South Texas, it, it's just great. So what I do is I try and get steel that is from the land, has worked the Texas land. You know, my saw blades come from an East Texas sawmill that was ran in the early 1920s. Okay. Wow. And just this old guy... Uh, I, I don't know if the father worked there or grandfather worked there or owned it, but he goes, yeah, this is where it was. And I got these saw blades and you want them. So I paid for those things. And oh, again, nice. huge saw blade, you know, 26, 22 inches. I can get 10, 12 knives out of those. And I've got like, I probably got six more blades, the, the whole blade. Cause that's what I was getting at. Like when you, in one of the videos that you sent me, you talked about how important it was to get, like the wood from the, like the handle, everything, everything from the land, from Texas. So 
one of the things I really like doing, and a lot of people will bring me this steel. They'll say, hey, I found this piece of plow on my dad's ranch. It was just in the ground. So we don't know how long it's been there. So this thing is rusted and just torn up. And, and I'm not saying this thing as in one knife, this happens often, but this piece of steel will be pitted and rusted and ugly. And I'll say, okay, let me see it. And I will shape that into a new knife. And that steel has been in the Texas ground, shaped the actual state, produced something off of the land. And now it's going to be a, a cutler, a piece of cutlery that's oh, going man. to last another lifetime. And, and one of the other things I do is I seek out Texas wood to, to get. So the tree, that product, and the steel all has Texas soil in it. And I just think the history behind that is just, it, it blows my mind when you start thinking about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it blows my mind too. And when you were saying it, it really resonated with me it really touched me because i felt like that that shows it's not just they're not just putting something together it's actually there's a, there's a lot of thought and passion and and it it's deliberate what you're doing yeah i i have found that you know people will hear that and they'll be like hey let's try this the the one of the coolest pieces that i uh did was a wrench and it was an old wrench wow and, and the guy said, he goes, I know it's at least 150 years old, but I took that and I, I said, you sure you want to turn it into a knife? I'd keep it as a wrench. He goes, no, no. So it was three fourths of an inch thick. And man, I, I hammered that thing forever, but turned it into an eight inch shaft. And my so, God, it, it was a beast. Oh. But so please, I mean, when you hand that over to that person, that's their great grandfather's mm -hmm. wrench turned into a knife that they're going to keep. How special is that? So special. That's you know? beyond special. That's amazing. And when you, hand, when you hand them that blade for the first time and they realize that their grandfather, great-grandfather, used that steel and now it's part of them, you can't, you can't put a price on that. No, you can't. Oh. And, oh, they just dig it. And it's I, mag I it's magical, actually. You've created like a, it's, you're passing down memories and it's yeah. embe embedded in that ah uh, oh, that's it's amazing i want to before i get off of the the weeds what do you offer like so people can know i know you have your instagram but what what types of things do you like to to build i like i like chef knives Definitely. because the reason i like chef knives is because it brings people together i think god was kind of telling me in a way you know fighting isn't the way everybody wants to belong everybody wants to feel part of something mm -hmm. and that familial backyard barbecue the mother grandmother father whoever it is cooking a meal for their family has some magic in it and that is what i try and capture is the best way to because on your website you have some some mm -hmm. uh photos but then is instagram the best way to see what you offer and then are you releasing knives just kind of haphazardly or do you have like a schedule that you do or how, like, how does that work for people? If they want to, <laughs> you know, it's not, not that it has to be anyway. <laughs> I think it's random is probably better, but. So here, here's what I said. I, I do have the caveat. I do remind people I'm a high school principal. Yes. I never know what my day is going to look like when I go into it. 
and I don't know how much time I'm going to get during the day or in the evening. And there have been times I have been forging and had to stop because um, the kids need my help or something calls me away. Yeah, that is what I work around, and I, I don't I don't feel bad about that. I don't apologize for that. But people need to understand if they want something from me, they're probably going to have to wait a little bit. Okay. And when people say, hey, I need it in two weeks. Well, hey, go somewhere else. There's tons of great knife makers out there. <laughs> I'm, I'm not the guy that's going to be able to do something, crank something out in two weeks. But what would you um, say? What's a good time frame then? What's a safe one that you feel comfortable with? I say between two to four months. Okay. And that's right now. I am trying to finish my doctorate. So wow. yeah, good for you. trying to get that trying to get my dissertation finished i'm about to start my chapter four and really start writing so that will impact the knife making as well okay but you know it's always about improvement improvement in what you're doing in your journey to where you're going and i i think the doctorate is part of something that I, I have to get done that's that's huge that's a big big deal but if but you also are don't you have do you have any backstock at all in knives or do you have knives that you've made not for anybody that you just put online? I do. Okay. I do. Currently I have just a few, okay. but I will list them in Instagram and people can go and look and let me know what they think. And I try not to list prices because I don't want to, you know, one of the things Kevin that I, I really do is I can make a knife for anybody's budget. And so you tell me, and if that passion's there for that person, I'm going to make them that knife. Now, I can make an expensive knife. I, I would much rather make the knife that that person wants. So if it takes them hearing about the inexpensive knife and going for that, I'm okay doing that. If they want to really do something spectacular and push the price up, they can do that too. But my thing is, I want that person to really feel good about their purchase and their blade. So that, that's the main thing. Am I taking care of the people? Uh, more so. Do you like to get feedback later on from people? I'm sure it does feel good. Absolutely. Uh, I really like the best when people send me pictures of them using the knife to cook around the, not around, not like around the family. You know, when they're using it to cook a meal and with the product of the meal and it just it warms my heart because i know that they're enjoying the blade that i made for them to use definitely ah oh, that's that's so neat what are the what are all the best ways so then what are the best ways for people to get a hold of you instagram they can call me I always put on my phone number so my phone number is 432-638-4869 and I, i'm very direct so not, not like a jerk direct, but if I'm busy, I'll, I'll call and say, hey, can't talk right now, I'll call you right back, or I'll call you in an hour, I'll call you in two hours. Uh, so, you know, I, I do that, but I, I definitely, to me, the blessing in knife making is getting to meet a lot of people and to hear their stories of what they want from the knife, and, you know, like, like the knife from the wrench, knowing that story. I have made knives where... A guy from South Texas has sent me wood called Ebonito. And Ebonito is this hard ebony wood that is right around South Texas. And I mean, it is tough. But the cool thing about that wood, that wood is when you get done with it, 
washes so nicely and it looks like the way a cottontail or a coyote or a jackrabbit's fur looks in the wild. Wow. It's just amazing. And that there's yellows and grays and blacks and they pop. And, oh, it's just beautiful. It's called Ebonito? Um, that's what a lot of people call it. I, I don't know really. Uh, I think it's just Ebony, South yeah. Texas Ebony. Interesting. That being said, I do have a, a family that has supported me. I think the son, the last name is Schuler. The son bought one of my first knives. And this was, man, they were rough, Kevin. <laughs> they were just rough and ugly. And uh, he bought one of my first knives. And then his dad kind of got into ordering knives for me. And they, I think they have the most Texas Sage Forge knives together. They have like a collection. Really? Yeah. They're, they're smart <laughs> because they're so beautiful. That's I, I hope that someday, 10 years from now, I can look back and have a, a collection of your knives too because it's... It's really, really special. It's and 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 I'm not necessarily going to put this part in there, but I I would like to when I'm able to travel and I'd like to I'd like to film you and talk to you while you forge a knife. I think that would be so interesting for people to see. You got to come forge a knife with me. I would love to. I would love to. Yeah, that would be um, that would be amazing. One one of those knives that they they keep showing that that family. Is a knife I made out of a brake drum disc or a brake disc that I found in a parking lot here in the high school parking lot. I was walking, I said, Look at that piece of steel. And just, I don't know, something called me to it most of the time. I would have thrown it away. That one, it just called me. And I, so I hammered it out, tested the steel, and uh, made sure it was hardenable. And then I forced the blade out of it. I'm a break drum. It was awesome. Yeah. When when I say hammer it out and test the steel, so what you do to make what I do to make sure a steel will keep an edge is I hammer it super super thin, just a small part, super super thin. I quench in water, which makes it very very brittle, and then I'll hit it with the hammer. And if it shatters like glass, it's hardenable. Oh, interesting. If it doesn't, if it if it bends. It's not hard. Huh. And what would, would there be another metal in there that would cause it to not be hardenable? It's the carbon content. Oh, the carbon content. Yeah, you have mild steel and then you have carbon steel. Carbon steel has carbon in it. What's preferable? Less carbon? Mild steel is unhardenable. You can't harden mild steel. I think there's a process where you can carbonize steel, but I'm not that scientific. I don't, I'm, I'm barely point by in chemistry and physics in high school so i'm not going to carbonize steel so what are you getting your dissertation in educational leadership uh, okay okay so do you want to be like do you want to run a like a school district is that like the next step that's on my goal okay you know superintendent, With that, superintendent that's what okay <laughs> sorry i don't know all the terms but I, I know that it's like i i assume that that would be like the next step and that would be would that be in Bowie or was that not in the near future? <laughs> I have a great boss. He supports my knife making. <laughs> he might, he might see this. <laughs> I make. He's a great boss. His name is Blake Inlow. And just 
such a top-notch educator and has taught me a lot about caring about people and how to truly lead for the children. You know, every yeah. decision we make for kids. And I wish I could say that's the case in all districts, mm -hmm. but in yeah. this district, it really is. And that, oh man, I can't tell you. It has changed my outlook on education. Do your students know you make lives? Some do, some do, yeah. And yeah, I, you know, I'll be walking through and they're like, hey, make me a knife. And I'm like, hey, you haven't paid me yet. And, <laughs> you know, we, we joke, we joke a lot. Some of my students will bring me steel. I moved from Bandera, Texas, and there was a guy and he'd bring me steel. His name was Kinley. And he brought me a whole truck spring. And yeah, just that's cool. Just good people. Yeah. That's really interesting. Is there anything that we missed that you want people to know about what you do or what you offer? It's two to four months is what you're looking at. And if someone sees something online that they like, they could say, hey, I like this. I want something similar, right? Is that kind of how people? Yes. Okay. That happens a lot. And I'll have people draw crazy diagrams. They're like, hey, I want this. And okay. like, hey, man, I can't make that. Yeah. Have you ever made a sword? Well, some of the brisket knives are the size of swords. Yeah, I guess they would be, right? Yeah. But no, I have not made a sword. I, I really think there is something to that speaks to me about blades that have a purpose in helping and aiding humanity. Yeah. So, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's something completely different. That would be, for sure, yeah. <laughs> for sure. And then with is that is Chopzilla that Chopzilla is that something you're selling or is that something you keep? Chopzilla is available right now. That one is. <laughs> it's really cool. I try, every, every blade that I make, I go through this process of when I'm making it. If I don't like it, it doesn't get made. But every blade, I'm like, ooh, I might keep this one every single blade i'm like i might keep this one. it's a good sign and yeah and, and it ends up where what's funny is i don't cook with one of my own knives because i usually sell them oh you need to have one <laughs> don't you you shouldn't cook with one I, i've got three right now that i have managed to keep to myself and i will use them to cook every now and then when i do cook let's just say that yeah yeah but the it, it just happens you know I, i'm there and I found a good place for steel in DeLeon, Texas. And I was going through, found it. And the guy who had the steel place, he owned the tractor store. He goes, oh man, you can have it. And I just didn't feel right giving, just taking the steel. So in my, in my pocket, I had one of my knives. And I said, here, why don't you take this? And he goes, what? And I said, yeah, I can make another. So, that's so cool. That's really neat. That's that's, that's awesome. That what is your? You said in one of the videos that your daughter shares a studio. What kind of art does? She, what does she do? All right. She's a she's an art student at uh, Midwestern State University in Wichita Falls, and my daughter Nadia is she'll come in and she will use everything that I have to complete art. So there's sculpture. There's oh right now she's in sculpture. So she was working on a wood project this past week. Fix and go into metal sculpture. That's great. I'm, that's... Sure, I'm sure she's ready to use the forge with that one. So oh, that's neat. Yeah. That's and I wondered. You wonder if she would have been interested in if it wasn't for you doing this. I don't know. Yeah, I was maybe. an art major in college myself. I don't want to say that I encouraged her to do to go the art mm -hmm. route, but uh, 
I, I do think she enjoys watching the process and me go through the process of knife making, of creating things. Do you know how many knives you've made, roughly? Do you have any idea? I always try and think back. At this point, I'd say at least over 150. I would think so. Yeah, I would think at least 150. I'm sure I've, I probably have personally seen at least 25 or 30. I think so. Like, it's maybe oh. more. And that's the thing, you know, I'll, I'll have a break where I'm really after it and I'll make 40 knives in a week. And then there's a break like Snowtastrophe where I make like no knives. <laughs> and, and, you know, I'll forge it out, but I don't complete them. <laughs> the problem I have with, with knife making, the one thing I do that I've got to get better at is I will start forging. And before I know it, I've forged 20, 25 blades. And then I'm like, okay, now I got to stop forging yeah, and sense. finish them. And that gets tough for me to do. Cause I, I'll wake up with a knife idea in my head and I'm like, I've got to try this shape. I've got to, <laughs> So you have all. Yeah. And, well, or I'll watch a video and they're using a knife shape. I'm like, well, I'm making that knife tomorrow. <laughs> no, it makes sense. Like it's a lot of, I think that's, I think that's a human nature is to start a lot of stuff. And then it's the completion yeah. that really is. That's the final step that a lot of people never yeah. get to that in, in most things yeah. that they do. So it's, you, you get so excited and pumped up about a lot of stuff and I, you do obviously for, forging and then you have to finish your dives i i, I gotta tell you one thing that i definitely want to mention is mark at convenience west barbecue and marfa man i cannot tell you the support he's given me i think he's just a great human being during covid times they were giving food out to people they were doing everything they could he was losing money on the daily and he kept giving Wow. And just gave and gave and gave. And the moment he and I started talking, I knew he was a little bit different. He ordered a knife from me and he goes, uh, this is what I want. And I said, it's going to take this much time. He goes, no rush. And I think he's got two or three of my knives, maybe even four. Is that how we connected? But, uh, Did we connect with him? Yes. I think so. Yes. Okay. So him being out in Marfa, Marfa's the town that's right close to Alpine. I went to school in Alpine. Oh. Met my wife and Marfa. So I was I was so thrilled to hear that a barbecue place was opening up in Marfa. And then being able to say, you know, hey, let me make a knife for you. I know that, that and I just feel so connected to West Texas. It, it, it makes me feel good that my knives are in Marfa. And I know that some of my knives are in Marathon at the Gage and at Brick Vault, Brick Vault Brewery. It makes me feel good that they're there. All every place that my knives are at and every person they're attached to, I really try and thank and just I, I feel honored that they would even consider using my knives. I know uh, Miguel Vidal from Valentina's Tex Mex Barbecue, he owns some of my knives. And when I first showed him, I remember he goes, What are these black marks in the steel? I said, those are hammer marks. Hammer marks. That that's where that hammer comes down. And he's like, Oh, so you're no, you're not joking. You made this. I go, Yes, sir, I did. And that's what um, when I you were in some of the videos that you sent me, when you could see those hammer marks, those are great. And that's that's that <laughs> ugliness. That's the ugliness you're yes. referring to. Yeah. 
Yeah, I try. I'm trying to get better to smooth them out, but there are tons of people who love those things. So I am. I'm and they'll ask, "Hey, can you put hammer marks in it?" Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, I'll do it. (laughs) No, I do get the other people who are like, "Hey, I want the knife to look exactly like this," and will send me a picture of like a production knife, and I'm like, you know. My knives don't look like that. If that's what you want, go to Walmart and they sell great knives. Yeah. But yeah, most people, most of my clientele really love the the hammered look and the 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 rough look. Yeah. And it's handmade by you. And that's what I makes mean, it special. That's what that's that's what that's that's what I would appreciate from having that. And that's that's so neat to hear about them too. I love those are two people, those places, Brook Fault and uh, Convenience West are both places that I, I really want to talk to and I really want to visit because I being out the outskirts, so to speak, it's just so, and having the passion and trying to bring it to where they are, I, I love that. I love, and the fact that you said that he was so nice and so kind and he was the one who said, yeah, hey, you should, we should connect. So it's, that's great. That's really neat to hear. I appreciate that. Yeah, and it's, and this has been, this has been, really really informative and if if you're watching this i want people to know if they're watching this on youtube i'm going to have at the end of this inf- uh, videos from you that you've sent me as well as i'm going to have a companion video that'll just be what you sent me and i'll edit it and make it a fl- make it flow but it'll be nice for people because then they can learn more about you you also teach about um, what you're doing the different tools that you use and then you also show how to sharpen your knife and it uh, it's it's interesting. It's, it's just all it's to me, it's all, it's a world that I love. And I, I appreciate you taking the time, especially in such an idyllic setting behind you. Just it's beautiful. This is so great. I really, and you're a kind guy. I, I appreciate, and we've corresponded. So it's nice to have finally met you in person. Thank you. And I can't thank you enough. I, I really appreciate it. My, my family appreciates it. Well, let's, uh, let's, let's hope, let's hope this get, at least opens a few people's eyes to what you do. I, I hope so. It's, you, you know, it's, it's that little incremental, you know, not everyone's yeah. going to want, not everyone's going to want your knives and not everyone's going to like what I do, or it's got to connect with whoever we can. And, you know, doing, doing what I do, I have learned that there, there will always be naysayers. So I'm not here for the naysayers. No, I'm here for the positive people. I'm, I'm just on my journey mm-hmm. and I'm going to yeah. make knives. So Excellent. Well, it is so great to meet you. I hope you have a great rest of your day. All right, man. Thank you. Have a good one. Take care. You too. Bye. Bye.